0: ballerina costume does
1: to the kentucky ghost hunter show as always i'm the kentucky ghost hunter and with me is kevin quatman my co-host say hi kevin hey everyone and he is actually we never ever tell anybody about what you do except co-host but i'm proud of the group that kevin's got he's with stone creek preternatural out of cincinnati ohio and uh they are good friends of ours. I want to also give a shout out to my wife. I love you. I know she's listening. Sometimes she doesn't listen, but she's listening tonight. So I got to do really good here. Uh, and tonight we have very special guests. I'm kind of interested in this more than anything is because it's a it's a unique paranormal group out of Los Angeles, California. Um, it's Pandora's Jars of Los Angeles. Now, what's unique about this team is it is a team of mediums that have formed together as a paranormal team. And the equipment that the, I'm sure they use some kind of equipment, but the main equipment that they use is actually their abilities as mediums. So I want to bring them on because that's it, not what you really hear. Usually there's a medium or a psychic that goes with somebody, but for to have the whole team of mediums, uh, I think it's going to bring a different perspective on Paranormal Investigation. But we've got uh, Amy Bouchamp, Aaron Monroe, and G.D. Carey. I'm going to start off with Amy. Amy, are, tell us how this group formed and, and how you girls got together.
2: Hi. Uh, yeah, it was um, – it's it's a little bit different how we formed because, um, you know, I work in entertainment. I've been working in entertainment for many years now. And, um, you know, I – have been in the paranormal as well for an equal amount of years um, working solely by myself. And um, about a few years ago, I wanted to get people together um, with the idea of, um, you know, doing more work out in the community. And, uh, you know, I did have experience about 10 years back with the traditional um, paranormal um, investigative team. And that was a great way to kind of cut my teeth in the field. Um, but I felt that there was a lot of areas that was lacking. So I went about kind of my own way and, uh, just doing my own work as a medium. And now coming back around full circle, uh, I thought I would try to fill out a team where I could see the gaps, um, and, you know, just kind of reached out to my network and see who, would come back. Uh, and, uh, we got some really good responses and we've just been constantly trying to shape the team, um, over the last few years and had a a lot of amazing experiences (laughs) in between. So
1: how did you, I mean, you had a network, but how did you three get together? I mean, have you known each other in the past or is it, they responded to you and you just entered? I mean, how, how did you get it together?
2: Uh, well, I kind of reached out through Facebook and, um, you know, one of the things that I am working on is, um, putting a, uh, putting a show together. We've got a lot of different endeavors as a team. And, um, you know, we've got a community outreach arm where, you know, we're teaching other people how to connect with the deceased and beyond. Um, and then, um, I do individual mentorship and stuff like that. But as far as, um, getting people interested, I mean, Aaron, uh, Aaron and I go way back to high school.
0: Yeah,
2: um, <laughs> and then GD, GD, and I go way back because I had a meetup in LA of over three hundred people strong, and I would run recurring practice sessions. You know, for like reading tarot cards or um, doing straight uh, mediumship readings, doing spirit circles, you know, stuff like that. And um, you know, people who were really interested in it responded, and uh, we just kind of been going off like gangbusters.
1: So, Aaron, I'm going to ask you a question, because I ask this of every medium that ever comes on this station. You have a gift, and when did you first discover your gift, and what effect did it have on you when you, you finally realized, hey, I can you know, talk to dead people?
3: <laughs> it's funny that you would start with me for that question, because when I responded to Amy's sort of broadcast on Facebook, I said, I'm not a medium. I don't do ghost stuff, but I'm really curious about this. And I'm um, fascinated to watch the project progress and see what I can do with it. Um, Through the course of the past couple of years working with these ladies, I've realized that growing up, I absolutely did have a lot of really strong, intuitions and, um, like the baby beginnings of being a medium that was quickly kind of squashed by, um, family and religious influences. And so when I got to my later teen years and adulthood, I just sort of put that completely on the back. shelf, back in my head, wasn't going to do it, not thinking about it, that sort of thing. So it's been a really interesting um, sort of return to my roots to uh, be part of this project and, like, realize that not only did I have some, some gifts, but it's something that you can sort of get back into if, if you had it at one time or just explore it for the first time as an adult.
1: So yeah, how I did you realize how did you realize this Erin? and how did you realize um, eventually that you had these abilities I mean I know you said you're discovering it but what made yeah, you go hmm, yeah. hmm. Um,
4: um, that's a good
3: question just some really personal experiences with dead family members
1: so they appeared to um, you and talked with you or yeah yeah yeah
3: uh, my uncle specifically um, this it, it's, it's my stepdad's brother, and it was not someone I was particularly close to. Um, he was in my life for probably about five years and then completely out of my life for about 20 years, and he passed away unexpectedly, and about six months after he died, um, I had had some experiences that were sort of extrasensory, like I was just driving down the road one day, and I got this taste in my mouth of like um, cheap beer and I, I'm when I drink beer I drink fancy stuff <laughs> so I was like why am I craving um, coarse light I said this is not this is not what I drink <laughs> so I was, like, I was trying to figure out and I and I came to Amy and I said Amy, you know what's the deal with this like can you think of anything reach out your medium finger to my brain and like, tell me what this is. And she's like, I don't know, just think about it and and see what you think. And then, um, you know, a few weeks later I had some more experiences and then one day I just had this really profound experience that was a conversation, a full on conversation with questions I was asking and answers he was giving that to me were completely irrefutable. And um, I think the reason why he visited me was because he knew I would hear him. And um, he wanted me to pass along a message to my cousin who was just devastated by his father's death. So it's it, it well, irrefutable, yeah.
1: That's awesome. Now, GD, I'm gonna ask you the same question. When did you discover that you had an ability and what? It, how did it affect
4: you? Um, well, all the women in my family have this ability. And, um, the first thing that I remember, I was about, uh, three and a half, four years old. And we were, I was with my grandparents and we were visiting relatives here in Boyle Heights. And, um, one of my aunties, she was very elderly and she was blind from diabetes. And, um, so I was spending the night with her sleeping in in bed with her. And I just woke up and was aware in the middle of the night that, Someone was sitting in the chair close to the bed and I got really you know, I got the chills and she said, It's okay miha, it's just my dad and she held my hand, you know, under the covers. And uh a couple days later she passed away and I was telling everybody like, Oh, her dad came, he came to get her and everyone was like, Shut up you know, like <laughs> Stop saying that, be quiet. And um So I kind of learned that it was like, we all had it, but don't talk about it. But, you know, and the thing about, I'm really big on protection, spiritual protection, because when you open yourself up, everything notices you. (laughs) And, um, you know, we always say the brighter your light, the stronger your shield, because, you know, things can take notice of you. And throughout my life, until... A couple of years ago, every time I was like, no, I can do this. I want to help people. I want to do this. I would open up and, and have amazing experiences, and then something really stinking scary, scary, scary would happen. I'd be like, just kidding. Take it away. I don't want to do this. Um, so that, Now, that's now wait a idea. minute,
1: JD. I want you to elaborate a little bit. What do you mean by scary? Tell me about that.
4: Um, uh, gosh, there's so many things. Uh, one of the things was, you know, I remember I, I was in high school, I was starting to learn tarot, which was like super foreboding in my family. Um, but I was like, no, people have been doing this for a long time and you can do divination with it. And I'm, I'm going to learn how to do this. And um, so I had gotten a book and I was keeping it secret and I was reading through the book and uh, with my girlfriends, we started doing tarot and I kept getting the same card all the time. And it was the hanged man. And um, I woke up one night and there was a a guy, he was in kind of older, I thought he was in a costume, but it was older Western clothes and he was hanging, but his neck was really stretched out and he was trying to tell me, I am the hanged man. And I was like, get out of my house. I was so scared. And it was just (laughs) like, get away, get away. And, but I didn't, what I didn't understand then was that, when someone suffers a traumatic death, they just want someone to know. They just want to like, look what happened to me. And sometimes they're stuck in that moment, in that traumatic moment. And now I'd be like, okay, so you died. It would be good for you not to remain there because that's kind of sucky. Why don't you go to the other side where family and loved one are waiting for you? And now, so that's, you know, with the guidance and with my group and I feel powerful now and it's like, yeah, let's not stay in this moment. You have better moments on the other side. Let's go explore those.
1: Great. Now, Amy, I got to ask you. You're in the entertainment field. I've, I've known that because I, you know, we contacted each other, and I invited you on the show here. How in the yeah. world do you? I mean, I've talked to entertainers and stuff like that, and then when you say medium, they kind of give me these cross-eyed look and kind of turn their heads and everything. How <laughs> is it? How have you reacted with the community of, of entertainment when they find out you're a medium?
2: I think in the beginning I was really worried about the, you know, the two pathways converging. Uh, and now that I'm getting closer to the point where they are actually converging, um, I've just moved into kind of a space of acceptance about it. Um, the, you know, where I work in entertainment is not on the front lines, it's behind the scenes. So it, I don't have to worry about, you know, people claiming that I'm acting as a medium. Um so it's, it's very authentic. It just lends more credibility with the fact that I'm, you know, behind the camera not in front of it. Um, it's also a really great place. L.A. is a really great place to be a medium because we've got everything from just an infinite amount of spiritual faith and religious practices. We've got a ton of different types of occult practices uh, just from the sheer volume of everybody moving here from all over the world. So as an investigative team, Uh, For mediums, we literally never know what we're going to walk into, and it makes it really exciting. It creates a lot of variety, but it also means we have to stay on our toes all the time. So um, in in answer to your question, it's it's actually happening now where the lines are (laughs) converging, and I'm okay with it.
4: Well,
1: I I think you know my point, though, because I've talked to other mediums that are in the entertainment world, too, and they kind of been keeping it secret from people because of the, uh, I guess, the perception people have on it. But you're saying in the L.A. area that perception is kind of disappearing and they're accepting what you're doing more or less?
2: Oh, yes, absolutely. It's really starting to come into fashion here where, um, you know, just people from all different industries are becoming open to uh, the process of gaining intuitive skills um, and, you know, increasing intuitive skills, not just to try to figure out what's going on with the relationship or, or career, but actually to get, you know, a little bit ahead business-wise and be able to intuit in between the lines during business negotiations, um, you know, high-level meetings and stuff like that. So it's really permeating every different type of market out there here in L.A. at least, Um it's, a, it's an exciting time.
1: All right, that's awesome, because I know in the other parts of the United States, some of the mediums are having issues with that. Because, um, you know, especially in the Bible Belt, there's a lot of people that do not believe in mediums in the Bible Belt. And, Aaron, I'm going to ask you this, because and it's the hard question. I apologize. You get the first hard question. <laughs> oh, no, no, I I ask the hard <laughs> question. Yeah, I know. Kevin asked, but I'm going to hit you with this one, Aaron, right now. Um, yeah. You know, you're new to the new to it and everything, and you, you mentioned something that uh, your family, I think you said your family kind of looked down on what you were doing. Is that what you said, or they didn't really uh, like it at first?
3: Oh, no, I think I uh, say it's bad. (laughs) It's it's, um, sinful. I was raised Southern Baptist to be specific, so I'm very familiar with the attitudes of the Bible Belt. Um, It's it's dangerous. It's um, messing with stuff that you shouldn't be messing with. It's, um, you know, if you're talking to something you can't see, it should only be God. Um, That sort of thing. And it's, it it was a mental hurdle for myself, absolutely, to kind of come to terms with um, how my personal faith, which, you know, I I don't really go to, I don't go to church anymore, uh, but I still have very strongly held personal faith. Um, how, How do I sort of mitigate that versus what I was experiencing? And I can honestly tell you that from the get-go in this group, I never engaged in any activities that I felt uncomfortable with. And, um, you know, I I feel like if a dead family member is coming to tell me something, it's something important. I'm not going out and saying, like, Uncle, come talk to me. Tell me what happened. Give me messages to pass along. I'm not doing that. I'm just... um, receiving and um i i can't imagine that that a gift like that would come from anything but god
1: exactly yeah so what do you say to people when because you're a southern baptist and i actually and i'm going to tell you through this and kevin knows this and a lot of my listeners know this i'm from kentucky which is the bible belt and my show has actually been kicked off of some of the radio programs in kentucky because of the content Mm -hmm. uh
3: Wow. And
1: yeah, it's it's bad here, but it's yeah. it's becoming that's one of the things I went with BBS because now we're on an international market and we've got listeners in Australia and all that good stuff and it's more supportive. But mm-hmm. Aaron, you're Southern Baptist. What do you say to somebody and they come up and say and call you <laughs> basically, Hey, you're s you're you're a demon, you're you're evil, you you should stop. What do you tell them?
3: Um fortunately I haven't really had that conversation, mainly because my family members um are are not brave enough to say that to me I think um uh, if somebody were to say that I would say you know I disagree with you I I just from my heart I approach everything from a place of um higher good what is uh, it's positivity you know I'm not looking for answers to anything I'm not trying to like give somebody lottery numbers. I'm not trying to go out and like raise up and rabble rouse and get into trouble. I'm just listening. So I just, I, I honestly can't see where, like I said, it's a gift that it it comes from a place of good. I, I just, I would have to disagree with someone who called me messing with demons or anything like that like I, I would feel like if somebody was saying that to me that they were probably thinking of the things that they see on tv which is not my reality
0: aaron i totally agree with you i i grew up catholic and a lot of my friends even on facebook are probably 90 percent of them are catholics and a mm-hmm. lot of them you know don't want to prove what i do and some of them like it that it, but a lot of them will tell me, "Oh, I, I follow you on Facebook, but they won't like my stuff. Like they're afraid somebody yeah. else is going to see them like my stuff. Like they're <laughs> afraid." And it's like, you know. But I, I totally agree with everything you said there. It, it, your gifts come from a higher power, and it's all and about I, how you. It's all about how you use those gifts, good or bad. You know, you're yeah, using it for the good, yeah, which is exactly. great. And honestly, exactly, and exactly, and I've
3: also had um, angelic visitors as
4: well,
3: which. If you read a lot in the Bible, there's kind of very specific scenarios where angels have visited humans, and my experience was different, but again, it came from this place of purity and love, like this infinite love, and um, I just had no doubt in my mind. So I think when my heart is in the right place, and I'm confident, and I know what I'm doing is right, then I just, I can't worry about other people. And what they say
1: and what they think. Yeah, I'm going to direct this back to GD too, because when we were talking, GD, you actually brought up spiritualism, and you guys got to be careful what you say to me because I always listen. But you brought it up. <laughs> do, do you have <laughs> issues with that, or how does it how does it react with you? And what do you have as far as comments about what Aaron said?
4: My father was um, for a long time a Bible study teacher with Calvary Chapel, and. Uh, when he was alive, he would not be into this at all. I got in real big trouble by, I, I read a book about, it wasn't about witchcraft, but it was about some girls in high school that were looking into doing witchcraft. Um, I, whew, I got a whooping, I, I got in all kinds of trouble. And, but now that my dad has passed and he comes to visit me all the time, I mean, he's obviously his, his mind has been changed. And every, most messages that we get from deceased loved ones are love and forgiveness and don't forget me. And people who are dying and people who have died, they all say the same thing. Like they just, they just want to express love and forgiveness. I forgive you. Please forgive me. Know that I love you. That's, at the end of someone's life, that's what it's all about. And th- those are the messages that we receive when we're, you know, conveying these messages of, of they don't always say it that way. Sometimes I don't want to say exactly what's being said. Is that, you know, I'll hear it and I'll be like, ah, I'm not going to say that to your son, but I'll, I'll paraphrase for you because you're kind of ornery. But, you know, the messages are all about love and forgiveness and look after your children and all of these things. And, and don't think of me looking wasted away from cancer. Remember the time that we you know, have this great memory or, you know, all these, don't work so hard, spend more time with your children. It's all about love and positivity and coming together and forgiveness. So when people tell me like, oh, that's demonic or you're communing with, you know, Satan and all this stuff, and I'm like, then why is he being so positive and loving? <laughs> <laughs> you know, is it, what, really? Because mm. I'm not getting satanic messages here. I would think that they would be like, yeah, you should, you know, like don't, don't, don't ever talk to those people. I would think they would be divisive or separating or, or continuing to cause pain or something like that. Um, that's what I would think if there were demons and you know Satan was interested in mediumship. That that's what would be going on, and that's not what we experience. And you know, Chip Coffee and Keith Moon, they brought my dad's voice to me, his voice through one of the Frank's box. Um, devices. And it was incredible. And it was, it, I don't want to say life-changing because, you know, everyone says that, but it was like, that was a turning point for me that I was like, yeah, I w- I've, if I can help someone, I want to do this. There are so many messages that people just need to hear. And when you can bring that connection to someone, if they're like, oh, I just want to know this thing, it's like, and you can bring that and confirm it with them and help them to learn how to receive those messages for themselves, it's incredible. You walk away, no matter how bad of a day you had, if you can do that for someone, you're like, okay, I, now, I did a good thing today.
0: Now I'm going I'm to throw something past you guys then, since you brought that up about the Franks box. I'm not against it. I'm not saying it doesn't work. But we've been on investigations where we've been mimicked. We've actually caught Class A EVPs, and we're like, why would we say that we never said that that's not even there we've caught many things have been said that it's our voices but it's not us so mm-hmm. what's to say something comes through a box like that how do you really know i mean that was your father or not something mimicking your father I mean, i'm mean i just saying i'm just throwing it out there as devil's advocate because i've seen personally been mimicked before and that's why I, I wonder... think it's important
4: <laughs> to talk about. I think I I'm not going to sit here and go like, oh no, that was my father's voice. So I know 100. percent I know because I'm a medium, and also I trust Chip Coffee, and this is one of the original Frank's boxes. But it's it's just how do you know when someone is calling you on a landline? Remember old landlines? How did you? Well, that could have been somebody impersonating. Well, why? Why would <laughs> they? And also, <laughs> right. what was the <laughs> What was the message? Like in your case, uh, clearly something was trying to mess around with you, and that's. I think it's important to talk about that in paranormal circles. Just because you get an EVP, all it means is that you got an EVP. That, that's you know what I'm saying. Like, right. I think it's important to constantly remember context and not run away with ourselves. Like there were strange lights and there were orbs and we got EVPs and this place is mad haunted and it must be the guy mm. who built the house and died inside it. Hey, wait a second. <laughs> jump into a lot of conclusions there. Um, can I, can
3: so, I jump and, in real quick on this? Sure. Um, as, as being newer to the idea of mediumship um, and working on this project with much more seasoned mediums who would, um, you know, have really strong messages that they were pulling through, my role that I kind of formed for myself in it was to sort of try to work the tech gear to match up and sort of confirm what the mediums were sensing to sort of be like a um, confirmation of what they were getting. And so it's not that we would discount an EVP, but it's taken as evidence. So it's not like a, a we would take. Um, something that we heard on an EVP and say, okay, this is the real answer. We never looked at it from that perspective. We looked at it as like, okay, let's weigh this against what the person is telling us and what the medium is picking up on and, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's all sort of evidence, but it's not like a, you know, set in stone, this is the answer sort of thing.
1: Amy, do you guys use uh, equipment? Because in the intro, we said you guys are the equipment, but do you actually use equipment like EVP recorders and cameras and all that when you do an investigation, or is it more just you three uh, going through the house or your team going through the house and and seeing what's up?
2: We set up the whole shop. (laughs) Um, We love equipment. We absolutely are gearheads. Um, But because... Um, we work much more efficiently and quickly as mediums. Um, You know, one of the the different perspectives uh, for our team, uh, as opposed to other teams, is that a lot of other teams are are giving the equipment and evidence collection maximum priority. And that's kind of the guidelines for how they're navigating through um, any, um, you know, investigative site. For us, it's different. For us, the most efficient way to get to the heart of all the variety of paranormal levels that can present in an environment is to utilize ourselves. And we we use different methods for that. Um, sometimes, um, you know, for me, when I get wind of a case, um, I won't tell the other mediums. I'll just say, you know, look, we've got, I'll I'll just give peripheral kind of information so they know a little bit what they're walking into. Um, That's if it's a light investigation. Um, And we do do a lot of our own version of remote viewing into spaces ahead of time just to make sure we're not going to, you know, step on any uh, paranormal tripwires uh, because as a medium, we're going to be much more visible uh, very, very quickly than just a typical investigator walking into a site. Uh, you know, we're kind of coming in with all of our lights on, uh, whether whether we try to, you know, cloak or not, or, you know, whatever the methodology is to kind of make us blend into the environment. Uh, we don't necessarily get the um, the time and space to ease into to a site. It's full on the moment we walk in the door. Because if there's anything there that say like is not just like a deceased um, spirit that has been haunting the place for a while, that's that some kind of weird being or entity, uh, they're going to notice really quickly. And, and usually it's a fight or flight response because they're trying to figure, you know, just like a wild animal, wow. they're trying to figure what are you about? Do I need to worry about you being a danger to my, my survival or not? So it's a very similar kind of uh, gut instinct reaction I notice from stuff, other kinds of stuff that's out there to run into. And then the equipment for us um, is just kind of like we, we want to be able to do things methodically and have that piggyback on the work that we're doing. Um, so if we get EVPs that mirror the context of, of what we're getting as mediums, if it mirrors the conversation that we're having with the clients or with each other while we're investigating or treating the site, that's great if we get any um you know, uh, photo evidence. If we get any, um, video evidence, that's great. It's also near impossible anymore to say that it's real evidence because if we're expressing it in a digital medium, there's always going to be somebody out there that says, Oh, you faked it. Right. Okay. Well, you know, I'm not going to be able to prove to you that I didn't fake it. So what else do I have to go on? Well, what do we, what do we do? We're trying to help the clients. We're trying to help balance the environment. So we actually put more weight on how the um, the symptoms, the paranormal symptoms that present in an environment for the client, if whatever we do to treat both client and the environment dissipate over time um, and they are following what we're recommending, then that's our evidence, that there was paranormal activity to some degree and that it's dissipated. That's so what we put add- our weight on.
0: So let me ask you guys a question then, because my our, my team works very similar to your team. I have a team full of mediums. Yeah. I'm not I'm not personally a medium. So when I get a when I get a client call up, what I'll usually do is I'll do the background, I'll do the conversation, I'll I'll interview them. But then the girls will know nothing. They'll go in completely blind to a case, and I'll actually walk them through the door, and they will know nothing, and they will get their own, because I I don't want them going in preempted thinking any history on the place or anything at the house or whatever. I want them going in completely right. blind. So everything they get is fresh. But right. we do we do also EVPs and stuff. But I want to know if you girls have ever gotten um, – we've had this happen three times now where one of our – we have a psychic and one of our mediums actually have actually said something and then we actually got it repeated clear as day on recorders. I mean clear as day. You can actually tell it's not a human voice talking. You can tell it's clear as day what it says, but then, like my girlfriend, Denise, she'll actually repeat, and we've caught it three times like that. Have you ever had that happen with an EVP? We I have. Go ahead, Jeannie. fascinating. That's
4: that's something that I have heard of happening um, with some – I'm sure it happens with non-mediums as well. But I have heard it happening with mediums, and my theory, and this is just a theory, is that, you know, our light is so bright, and we do with, um, you know, Amy does a lot of charging up and we do a lot of protection to keep away all of, like, we call them the flybys, because we're interested in what's happening at that location and not helping the entire, you know, 10 miles wide that can see (laughs) us. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> we try to kind of lock it down. So it's like we're only interested yeah. in this. And, you know, but mediums will attract like fireflies, you know? And there are uh, things out there that are like, oh, oh, she's out. She, she's got her light on. Oh, hey, hi. Uh-huh. And it's almost like a flirtation or a little game. And a lot of mediums, I, I would love for people to comment on the podcast if you're a medium, if you've had this experience, because a big frustration is that we don't have data. We don't have research data right. on instances, you know, but it, I would, because I'll, I'll bet a lot of us all experience this. And I, I don't know if things out there consider us pets or they just have fun when we come out. Um, I don't know. But,
0: but, that, but see, that's uh, the reason I, I like, I like mediums because when you go in somewhere blind and you can tell at homeowner all their experiences, and you can give them data. The they're, they're, they're homeowners in shock. Like, how do you know this? Like, there's no way you should, mm-hmm. there, there's no information, there's no public information out there on this place. You know, there's right. no way you can know the information you know. And I, and I find it fascinating. And we use, we use God and Jesus, and we're very Christian based. And are you all Christian based? Or are you all mixed? Or how do you guys operate? I know I, one I, of you is I, <laughs> not this, but one <laughs> of you,
2: I mean, we don't I, guess, yeah, I
0: told you he was going to ask know, the hard I guess, questions.
3: I
2: guess,
0: I guess here's my question. No,
2: we're good with hard <laughs> questions.
0: <laughs> I mean, you're in, L- you're in LA, so you got all kinds of religions you deal with. You got Scientology's huge in the uh, entertainment business. You know, right. how do you deal yeah. with somebody in that field that doesn't necessarily believe in Jesus or believe in, I- I'm not a Scientology expert, so don't, I'm not quoting them, but how do you deal with somebody who doesn't follow your belief system? How do you? This is,
2: well, I'll answer this really quickly and I want to provide space for the ladies. Um, this has been something that's, that's evolved over the last decade for me, um, where I find that for the most part for our country, uh, for a lot of, most of the paranormal teams, they operate predominantly out of a Christian-based lens. Now, that's fine for a lot of the families that that are aligned with Christian faith, um, but we also have people coming here from all over the world of different faiths, of different belief systems. There are a lot of people now we've got um, the satanic church that's flourishing all over the nation. And interestingly enough, the most recent branch that we're seeing with, with a high level of activism is not connected to the part that we associate it with where's you know, where there's a lot of ritual um, connection with demons and the devil and all of that stuff. It's actually completely different branch um, which I find really fascinating so um, what I what I find is most helpful is to not work through a Christian lens <clears throat> for all of the paranormal work to only apply it where it makes sense for the people involved who um, hold on to that belief system so if I say like I go um, I, I don't see this happening. Quite often as a female, but say that, you know, I have a, a friend who is Muslim, they're having paranormal problems, they can't get help through through um, their faith, so she heard about me being, you know, medium or this or that, okay, and I'm just giving a for instance.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I go to the home, I'm, I'm working on helping the family, there's definitely paranormal activity present, am I going to tell them to pray to Jesus? No, I'm not going to tell them to do that. I'm not going to say like, no, you have to convert to a a Christian way of dealing with your paranormal problem in order to deal with it. I'm going to operate within their faith, utilizing their sacred symbology, their sacred items, their um, sacred prayers, and I'm going to work with that system to help them gain strength and help to balance out the activity that's going on in their space. And I would apply that to all the different, um, you know, uh, spiritual faith, also cult practices. You know, if I have somebody who's who's pagan or Wiccan, I'm not going to tell them to do um, Santeria rituals. You know, uh, I'm not going to tell them to um, appeal to a group of gods and goddesses that don't even align with their, their, their faith-based system. So I have to be able to navigate between many different religions and spiritual faiths to be the most effective at helping to balance out environments. And that's kind of how the whole team is navigating through in Los Angeles right now is we find that that gives us the strongest foundation to operate from. It also means that we're constantly researching and learning. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, I think that's the long of it. But, oh, GD, do you have anything, Erin?
4: No, I, um, I just wanted to say that we're more interested in being effective than in being right, you know. And we're here to help people, whether they're still in a body or yep. not. And if you if you look at it through only one lens, you're you're missing so much, and you can only help so many. So
0: well, well, let me ask you this then. I mean, I hate to. I mean, I'm not trying to be the technical difficult because we believe there's no difficult questions if you just talk from your heart. But if like, I believe in God. And I believe there's one God. I believe God created everything. I believe God created other dimensions. I believe there's things that crossed over in other dimensions that they're all God's creations. I don't believe Mm -hmm. they're from a different God or anything else like that. So when we operate, we work through Jesus and God and the angels. And even if somebody's non-Christian and they don't believe in our Christian ways, we can still help those people because we use angels and we use God and they come in and they can help us, you know, clear the house and take care of the problems. If it's if it's truly a paranormal. Issue. I don't. I guess I always have a hard time myself, and this is nothing because anybody else just misses me personally. I have a hard time adapting to somebody else. Like if I'm Christian, I can't really adapt to somebody who's Muslim or somebody who's Scientology, somebody who's not in the same realm. It's hard to, for me to adapt to their way to change something. I just use the way I have.
3: Absolutely, I use the way right. that I know
0: works. So, and and that makes
3: I think for the of sense, um, yeah, basically to sort of nutshell what the other two ladies were saying is, we meet people where they are. So yes. is it, you know, there. Uh, one of our first questions, besides what's happening in your home, we asked them, what is your faith base? And that's where we sort of filled out. Now, I did say I was raised Southern Baptist. <laughs> I didn't say
4: that I still
3: am. <laughs> I personally have sort of moved on to sort of a greater view where I view all faiths, all religions to be basically the same thing, just using a different name. So exactly, for, some, You're right. for someone to say, you know, I'm Muslim, I pray to Allah, that's fine. It's still, it's still God, you know? So it's, it's, to me, it's not moving out of my comfort zone and, for us, when, when we do our investigations, it doesn't stop with the presentation of evidence or clearing of a space. We put yeah. together, and Amy can speak a lot more to this, but we put together and we put a lot of energy into aftercare. And we help people design um, ways that they can continue on to, like, keep a clear space, keep a safe and happy home.
0: And move forward with their lives, and not just be like, "Okay, ghost gone, we're good to go." Yeah, no, I think that's. I think, I think that's, that's great. That's the thing. And the other question I have for you all: Do you all find because you're all similar to us, and I, I love it? And do you find that you have so much light that sometimes you go to places that there is darkness, but the darkness hides from you because oh. you bring in so much light. Like, do you know, there, you know, there's darkness there, but it doesn't show itself to you, and it doesn't. It's trying to hide from you because it knows. You know, you're nothing but trouble to them. Do you guys find that problem being with a lot of light?
4: Yeah. Um, it's I, it's very – oh, go ahead, Judy. No, I was just going to say, like, every day, walking into my workspace, walking, walking into Starbucks, sometimes I get people who are, like, giving me the stink eye, and I'm not even sure if, if it's the person or something attached to that person that's just right. having a problem with me, you know?
1: I'm going to have to ask something here because I've just been sitting back listening to everybody, and and one of the main (laughs) things – and I apologize for these questions I'm getting ready to ask you really, but I need to ask it because I'm kind of interested in this. And this is going to be directed at all three of you, so we're going to start with Amy and Aaron and GD, if you don't mind, just taking your turn answering this. But uh, spiritualism is very – and I'm not – and when I say this, you have to understand I'm not the religious type person as everybody else. I have a basic belief that's a lot different than a lot of people. So I'm not coming at you, attacking you or anything like that at this point. But my question is that in the paranormal realm, a lot of it is spiritually based, like Kevin was saying. And Mm -hmm. if you're going into it saying, well, Muslims are the same, and this is the same, and this is the same, but they do hold different beliefs and they hold different uh, techniques as far as their uh, religion is concerned. I think you know where I'm coming. I'm not going to go to every one of them, but they're all different. Yeah. So, yes, if are. there's no base religion, basically what you're saying, and everybody's practicing a different way, how in the world are you guys able to go in there and help them if you're using their tools, which counter counterdict somebody else's tools, which counterdict somebody else's tools in a spiritual environment?
2: Okay, so the the, the easiest way for me to to try to describe this is to look at spirituality and the the backdrop that um, spirituality, and I'm talking universal spirituality, emanates from. We're, we're calling that divinity, right? So that's really the source. Divinity is is considered the source. And then um, as divinity moves outwards into into substance, into our reality, okay, when we're just talking hypothetically, um, we have all of these... Um, all of these different cultures of people that are trying to inter- interface with divinity, and so what happens is that religions begin to emerge—a way—a way of interfacing with divinity. Um, but because we have different cultures, they're all doing different things that that are tailor-made to that process. So you know, you have people in Africa that have a much different system of interfacing with what uh, with divinity, and they have their own set of gods um you you have people of you know the Abrahamic religions that only believe in a singular God. Um, you know you have um, older civilizations that believe in many gods, and and we have still um people all over the world that believe in many gods. Um, even in, in uh, India, um, there's a prevalence of many gods. So who's right? Who's correct? And what we do as a team is we we research up and down the line um, way back to ancient civilizations, and we try to find the through lines between all the cultures, all the faiths. What are different cultures doing to address the paranormal uh, within their own faith, within their own structure, structure? Is there a through line? What is that through line? Once we're able to discover that through line, now we've got something that operates behind all of the applications. We've got the operating system, right, of the computer. The applications are just the religions that, are, that we find all over the world. So if we think about it from that perspective, it begins to kind of paint a different shape of how to address going into all these different households and businesses and to be able to help people. We don't, we don't help them by, by overlaying one religion onto another we help them by utilizing the through lines of all the religions and cultures and um, speak to them and work with them through their specific faith-based system does that make sense
0: well let me I ask you a question really let well me throw, let me throw some passion on that on that presence though then it seems like and I'm not saying Catholics are right because I'm I was Catholic and I'm more Protestant now but how do you but mm-hmm. like I've seen people personally and I've, I've not known them personally, but I know people who are in the field a lot and they've had issues and the people are non-Catholic and non-Christian but yet they seem mm-hmm. to can't get rid of their problem. They all end up wanting to call a priest. You know? Mm-hmm. And the priest is not coming in and adapting to a different religion. He's coming in and saying, this is my religion. I'm Catholic and I'm going to do the Bible. I'm going to do an exorcism mm-hmm. and that's how I'm going to get rid of your problem. And I guess my question right. to you again is, if you are dealing with angels, like we deal with angels all the time. Angels are fantastic. Mm-hmm. We just don't deal with... You know, Archangel Michael, we deal with a multitude of them. But mm-hmm. they don't... I mean, if I, if I deal with somebody who doesn't believe in angels, I mean, the angels are still going to help. I mean, that person may not believe in angels, though. Because I've met people who don't believe in God, they don't believe in angels, but they believe in the demons. And I'm like, how do you right. believe in demons not believe in God? How do you... I would love to
3: have I work... here? Um, here. <laughs> Go ahead, Erin. Sorry.
0: Sorry, guys. <laughs> the, the, the way
3: that The terms that I personally think of it is almost like to communicate without using our language of words, you know? So we're, we're not using the language of a specific religion. We're using the language of intent, desire, calling upon the Godhead. Um, so in that respect, it, it doesn't matter which words you're using. It's that intent behind it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is yeah. That, is that ringing... Is that making sense?
0: No, I, I see where you're um, going with that,
3: and I and I understand. And like, I think the reason why most people would call a Catholic priest if they feel like they're being possessed or haunted or whatever, because that's what's prevalent in Western society, in TV yeah. and movies and storytelling. Right. Like, you know, it's it's that's just sort of like where where your first thought goes to.
0: At the end of the day we're all ministers of Christ, so we can all yeah. administer and heal so and help.
1: Yeah, that's the so, idea. Yeah, that's the idea. So I'm gonna I don't know how, how many of you girls answered that question so far? Because I know a- a- Amy did. did. Did we get the Somebody other ones
0: to answer? Somebody did. I interrupted, I'm
1: sorry. Yeah, yeah I just try to figure Aaron, did you get to answer it too, or did you not yeah, answer it? Yeah, yet?
4: yeah, I did. Okay. I did.
1: So GD, that? you're the one that didn't answer, is that correct?
4: No, I haven't answered yet. I just want to say that I, you know, I do a lot of angel work. And um, actually, that was what I started working with this angel protection. And that is why now I feel like I can just walk into any situation and, and feel, you know, I'm fearless now because it is so powerful. And I've seen it be so effective. And the angels are effective for any situation, any situation. and. um Obviously not every faith-based or spirituality has believes in the angels, although many of them do. They're not going to call them by the same names, but they still believe in that energy if you will. But so the angels are absolutely for any situation you can you can call them in. But the thing about it is that there are people who are haunted and then there are locations that are haunted, right? And right. so sometimes it's a combination of things, sometimes it's it's a layered effect. And, you know, you got to meet people where they are. And it's also about respect of, like, we're not here to trample on you or tell you, like, you know, you need to do it this way and there's only one God or anything. That's n- none of our business. We're just here to help them. And if, you know, we do call in the angels. And um, but it's about, like, what, what is your situation here and how can we help you? And also, how can we teach you to help yourself? And I think that's why our approach is different. And I think that's why, you know, we we come to things with no judgment. You know, we have recommendations such as, hey, man, you might not want to spend 48 hours on, you know, cranked up watching Slenderman videos and then wonder why you got (laughs) weird stuff happening in your house. You know, that might not be the way to go. But we have recommendations, but we really try to come out with like no judgment and you know this is what we think will work for you. Please keep right. in contact with us so that we know and if that's not you know every every light worker, every paranormal investigator has should have a whole bunch of tools in their toolkit tool and you know people call a priest like Aaron said because that's what we've been told to do by the media by books and films and TV call the priest. he bless the house. It'll go away. And okay, that's one thing. But there's so much more that you can also do. People can help themselves. People can, you know, keep the vibration high to just get rid of stuff. Won't come around if your vibration is too high, you know, right. and that's why things will try to cause arguments, right? So there's strife in the home. Now it feels more comfortable to whatever is hanging out in your house. You know, so we teach people right. to be cognizant of that. You know, it's like, are you guys having arguments out of seemingly out of nowhere? Has this always been a pattern for you? Is it kind of a new thing? You know, we we stumble around like a drunk guy trying to find his way home. Well, like, like, okay, maybe it's this, maybe it's that.
0: But like you just said, you know, <laughs> these people gotta be willing to to help themselves too and change a little bit because yeah. if you go and if you go and clear the situation out and help them out, but then two days later he goes back to watching that 48 hours. <laughs> Of Slender Man or whatever it's called Yeah, he's going to bring the problems Right back in and he's going to be willing mm-hmm. to Change his lifestyle a little bit in order to Avoid, you know, and change his Vibration and avoid these problems
4: yeah. right. Do you agree? And that's, yeah. and that's something That's a signal for us too, like Okay, this, this keeps Happening to this person, why Does this keep happening? Are they Is something keep drawing them back? You know, do They have a serious attachment? Is there something Psychologically that's going on with them? Literally, the same kind of, um, I don't want to say mental health, but the same kind of mental-emotional attachments, those can happen with things that are not physical as well. You can, you can get into that kind of weird codependent space with something that's invisible in your house, invisible to you. It gets weird sometimes. And we're just like, are you enjoying being haunted here? <laughs> You know, because then it's something for them to talk about. But I think some people
0: like it. I think some people enjoy it.
4: Absolutely. It it becomes (laughs) sort of like, oh, something to talk about at parties and like, oh, this makes them feel important. Some people feel like something chose them because they're special. you got to look at that kind of stuff, too. Like, they want help, but do they want help? You know, are they willing to do the work? Are they willing to make any changes? And again, we're not trying to be right. We're trying to be effective, but right. we, yeah. yeah, we look at the whole picture, even if it's not pretty.
0: I like how you guys do it. It's great. You're very similar to us. I mean, we're very similar. We're different, but similar. So. Well, we've well, we got a short LA time and here. Let us. me, let me ask Amy something real quick,
1: because I know I want to get into this. It, it, Amy, what can somebody expect if they call you and say, hey, we need help? How do you guys go about doing your investigation?
3: We we're very
2: um, we're very similar to other teams where we do um, a client interview um, right at the top uh, because we're trying to figure out what we're walking into, including uh, whether the client has their wits about them. Um, you know, we're we're curious to know like, are they doing drugs? Are what are their habits? Like, is there anything that's happening that's going to add a serious amount of risk to us? Um, you know, walking onto the property that's just from the human side. And then, um, based on the symptoms that are presenting, um, you know, we'll kind of have our, uh, you know, bird's eye view of what might be going on, but usually the client makes their own assumptions about things. And it isn't until we actually physically are at the, the active site where we get a real idea of what it is like. And it's, Not typically just one layer. I mean, that's an easy one if it's just one layer, depending on what it is. There's usually multiple layers um, at a location that we have to kind of peel back and chip away at over time while we're working with the client. Um, So that's typically how we start out.
1: So, I mean, when you guys actually go into the house, though, is it just you three or is there more with your team?
2: There's there's more, and uh, we do take our baselines. We try to... Um, do the standard methodologies um, as other teams do with their approaches. But um, after we, we take our baseline, that's where we break off, and we take notes. Uh, we tour the, the spaces individually, um, and we take silent notes. Um, we also, before, we do something you know, more, more energetically uh, for our group so that we kind of block off everything outside of the property because we tend to attract stuff from all over, the neighborhood and it contaminates the site further so that's something that as mediums we have to do to to differentiate the activity is happening on the property versus around the property <laughs> uh, so it gets a little bit challenging sometimes um, but we're still we're still taking data um, all those notes we use them as individual um, uh, assessments of the different layers because maybe one medium will pick up really well on a, a particular layer but the other one won't, but then that one will pick up on some other set of details that leads to another layer. Um, So it really gives a nice, well-rounded approach to identifying more specifically what's going on at an active site rather than just saying, yeah, your place is haunted. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's just like, it's like, that's great, but okay, where do we go from there? Like, what's the next step? And usually, usually for teams, that means bringing in people like us into the picture to say, okay, can you kind of further into it? Are there any techniques you could provide to the client? You know, I have a, a spiritual psychology background. Um, Gd has um, a medical ER background. Aaron, you've got tons of different. <laughs> you've got. Um, we cover we cover a wide range. Aaron also has a very uh, big medical background as well. Um, so we draw from our rich life experiences our um, all the different vocabulary that we have we use everything we got to assess the an environment and the clients and to try to help them um, you know that's our through line and then the treatment phase we literally help to give them a leg up so that they can um, they can continue to maintain the space after we've left and that really is the big key piece because Otherwise, things will go right back to what they were. Um, So it it really is a lot of work that we put into um, helping. How do you? I got.
1: How do you keep from clash of the mediums? Because I've we interview mediums all the time, and we we associate with them. And they all, you know, one medium will come in and they'll have one particular uh, perception, and another medium will come in the same location later have a totally different uh, perception. How do you girls work together if? if you're all mediums coming in and some people are saying, Oh, we've got, I, I'm feeling this. And somebody else is saying, no, I'm feeling this. How do you keep from the clash? Because,
3: because, we, say, because we, um, we, go ahead. Say, I'm feel, I'm, Amy will say, I'm feeling this. And, and GD will say, Oh, great. And I'm feeling this too. It's not, I'm right. You're wrong. It's I'm feeling this and I'm feeling that. And, you know, it, we just collaborate. And I, and I think, just because our team is always coming from a place of light and positivity. We just, we don't really have that kind of conflict yet. I mean, not wood, but that's really our, our team spirit, so to speak. So, yeah, I I gotta, gotta,
4: uh, go ahead. We do a lot of charging up in the beginning to make sure that we're of one heart and one mind when we go into a location. And the more that we work together, the more that we know how to work
0: together. And so we, we haven't had
1: those problems. It's awesome. So have you have you girls run into anything? I mean, you're, you're in harmony and you guys have got the light going on and everything, but in any paranormal uh, experience, and it's happened to Kevin, it's happened to me, it's happened to everybody that's in the paranormal, that is truly into the paranormal, not doing it just for kicks to for parties, like someone said. Um, do you have experiences with entities that, do not like you and basically do everything they can to get rid of you.
4: <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just laughing because I, I'm thinking about this one time that Amy and I walked into this home and this guy immediately stood in front of her and was just screaming like, Get out, you're not allowed to be here and he was trying to push her away and she was like, Okay, you don't have a body, so step aside. <laughs> but it <laughs> it's at <laughs>
2: It's it, it's it varies because you know you can have aggressive deceased spirits, like say you had somebody who was um, you know uh, an abusive man or woman, um, or you have somebody who was a criminal, um, or uh, you know a serial a serial killer, what have you. Just because they're out of a body doesn't mean their personality or psychology, a psychological framework has changed. They still retain, especially if they're hanging out here on earth, they still retain that kind of base structure of belief system and personality, um, you know, ways that they view reality. So if they, if, if if we walk into a location and they see us as a threat, they're going to use the same tactics that they they were while they were still living. Now, we're just talking about ghosts, right? We're not even talking about other types of entities. Um, I actually worry a little bit more about other types of entities than ghosts, because ghosts are, uh, for the most part, easier to pick up on for mediums. When you've got—and um, and this is the big challenge with, with the Christian-based um, lens, is that it's so polarized now that either entities are all good or all bad— and in reality, there's a whole range in between that we, we've just, we're we just barely scratching the surface on. And so, you know, my, my goal when I go into a site is to identify everything, not just what's all good or all bad, whatever is presenting. Because you could have a being that maybe is just like out of place. Maybe there's right. somebody who's doing some occult work. They brought through something. The being's there. The being's like saying, WTF, why am I here? And oh, okay, must have been you. I'm coming after you. You know, who knows? Um, it could be any number of, of ways that a being kind of got into that um, place, or there could be multiple different layers. I mean, we've run into many different um, residential homes here who are having challenges with Native American ancestors. You know, we've had Native American tribes moving through this whole area for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, And there are a lot of sacred sites around here, and developers have no way of identifying that. They just build right over the land, not even thinking twice about what they're building on or how it might you know, whatever's happening there might impact the structures. So for us, we're coming in, and not only are we having to deal with ghosts, but we're having to deal with pissed off, um, you know, ancestral energy. We're having to deal with beings being out of place, needing to be, you know, escorted back, or, you know, any number of ways that we deal with different types of beings. Um, so was, and really and that's the challenge.
4: Me. What's that? Somebody
1: was, somebody was saying something. What, who, oh. Which one of you ladies were going to say? Go ahead.
4: So sorry. Um, I was interrupting. No, servitors that somebody, some chaos magician created when they were. In- freshman in high school and forgot about <laughs> you know we run into yeah. stuff and we're like okay what, what is this oh it was set up as some sort of protection here or oh it was yeah. to protect this this person or this you know this thing and whoever created that is long gone but that that energy is still running off its programming and you're just like okay and those are hard to dismantle you can try to manage them but you know, they're, they're for the most part harmless because if they're in the starving state. But there's a lot of that chaos magicians. I'm talking to you. Chaos magicians.
0: I like that. Chaos There's
4: a lot of dabbling so, out there. Yeah. So I,
0: I have a question. And we we get called this a lot. Well, I don't. But the girls on my team do because they can see the spirits. Do you all get called witches? Because I think sometimes a spirit doesn't realize you can when They realize you can see them. They think you must be a witch. Like, how can you see me? <laughs> I mean, if you have been Um, called that, we've been called that multiple times on our team.
2: It depends, I think, on, well, it's probably, Um, yeah, it's probably coming from the the, um, spirit's perspective. Like, if you're, um, you know, if you're talking about an ancestor spirit um, that's still protecting a sacred burial site, they're probably going to call me a medicine woman, you know. um, I'm just just talking about it.
0: I'm just talking about a general spirit. Like, like say I passed on one day and I, I'm confused. I'm lost. You know, I'm out here somewhere. And then all of a sudden you walk in the door and I'm like, and you see me and you start communicating with me. And I'm thinking, how the hell is she seeing me? You know, how does she see me? I think different. I'm I say, are you a witch? <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I, I, I'm just saying hypothetically. I mean, I, we've been called. That's why I was asked. I was curious if y'all had been. I think
2: it has more to do with, and I'll let Judy, um, uh, speak to is, um, I think it has more to do, again, with the personality of the spirit itself and their belief structure. You know, if they, if they had an open mind, um, say like here in LA, I don't run into it as much because there's people from all walks of life, but in the Bible belt, you know, sure. I mean, what what do right. people do that, you know, when they work with the paranormal, they dabble with the paranormal. A woman is usually called a witch, you know, so if if you're if you lived in the Midwest and you were, you know, you were big into Christianity and you really didn't go outside those lines, you die and you're still hovering around and all of a sudden you see somebody that noticed you, that's probably going to be your first reaction as a spirit is like, Oh, that person must be a witch because I can see them. Right. How can they see me? So I, to me, it speaks more to their, their belief system right before they passed.
4: What about you, GD? I think that's exactly right. And I, I've, I know Amy's had this. Um, not sure Erin yet, but no. you know I've noticed spirits first, and then they then they've noticed me, and been like, "Oh, you can see me," and I'm like, "Oh man!" And then they're right <laughs> over here chattering in my head, like, you know, tell them this, tell them that, and it's like, "You're dead. You're done here. Leave. Go to the other side." But you know, I've never been not physically. always that harsh. Really? A- no, <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, people in, that are still in body call me a witch. And i that's what I want to say back to them. It's like, what is a witch? What is what is your definition of, of that? Everybody has a different idea. And I'm sure any witches that are out here listening are like, that's not a witch. But it, what are you actually saying to me? And it's, it's, they're saying, like, you're different. You, you've got some ability. Like, like, and is it dangerous or is it good? You know, and... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would tell the spirit, need some help. I'm trying to do office hours with the spirits. It hasn't been working out yet, but I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to do this thing where I'm like, okay, so all I'm right. going to do this, like, see me at nine o'clock in the morning, okay? But they, they're they not adhering to it yet.
0: All right. Let me ask you one more question. I won't I'll quit asking questions. I'm sorry. So since you just brought up office hours, I seem to find you know, spirits are out all throughout the day. And I believe, like, when I die one day, if I be, if I was a spirit, which I won't be, but if I was, you know, I go to bed usually at 10 o'clock at night. So I'm usually early in bed, early up. So we usually go out and then we go investigate somewhere. It seems like a lot of times by 11 o'clock, things get really quiet sometimes. <laughs> I mean, there's you'll have activity. You'll, I mean, it needs to be at the beginning. You'll see the spirits. But then after 11 o'clock, sometimes things just get real quiet. It's like... <laughs> Everybody goes to bed or something. Have you all had that same experience. Well, D, on this one. <laughs> yeah, it
4: depends on what you're dealing with. If you're dealing with, yeah, I'm talking ones, not, not
0: elementals I'm... and not 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 crazy dimensional beings. I'm talking just human spirits. <laughs> I'm
4: talking. Okay, so so hum, human spirits, someone who has died and not yeah. yet crossed over. That's what I call a ghost. Right. A spirit to me is someone who is no longer in body, who has crossed over and comes back. For whatever reason, to visit, to help, encourage, whatever. Okay, so if there are ghosts. <laughs> ghosts are usually, if they want to be communicating with people who are awake, they do it when the people are awake. And then once everyone goes to bed, yeah, the house gets real quiet. Things might get creepy and and be you know happening, but they're usually trying to interact with people who are awake. The spirits who have crossed over, a lot of times they speak to us in our dreams or or different things. So you have that activity more often than not at night. So it depends on what you're dealing with. And if you're trying to, quote, unquote, catch a ghost, I would say do it in the daytime. You know, when people are awake, when the energy is up and amplified, when, you know, because when we sleep, a lot of us, we leave our bodies, we go and do things and, and whatever while our body is at rest. Those are not coming around if
0: you're not well, there. <laughs> re- the reason I brought that up was I believe the same thing as you do there. And I've met so many paranormal teams out there that they all believe in the witching hour and everything happens <laughs> at midnight and one, two, three in the morning. And my dad always taught me nothing good happens after midnight. You know, <laughs> so. <laughs> basically i'm thinking you know when i go out we, we like to go places earlier because we seem like we get a lot more interactive with the mediums with the spirits and things Or that i will call them the ghosts um for this talk but it, it just i just i was just curious because a lot of people say oh three o'clock in the morning things get crazy i'm like well i've been three in the morning i see nothing <laughs> you
3: <know>? I, I <laughs> yeah think it has a lot to do with you know pop culture and what's been on TV and what we see in movies and stuff. And it's just like sexier too, you know, like something spooky, something, you know, it's got to be like this one specific time window, you know, it's, it, it adds to that sort of mystery to it. So I think that's why people say that.
0: I
4: agree
2: My, my, my experience has been that the majority of paranormal activity happens during the day. Mm -hmm. It really does. You know that's that's when uh, you know just like Titi was saying, it's like everybody's everybody's active, everybody's moving around. There's a lot more energy to feed off of, in terms of, of amplifying the ability for spirits to be noticed. Um, you know, I've I've had uh, I've facilitated seances all hours of the morning, afternoon, and evening, and it's the same, it's consistent um, from beginning to end, and I I actually feel that the odds of getting evidence are better during the daytime, it's just trickier because you've got all that ambient noise too, you got to deal with. Right. So nighttime is ideal for, you know, to lessen the ambient noise, but then you also potentially have a lot lessening of, of the activity as well. So what, what's the end goal? If the, if the goal is to get pristine evidence, yeah, sure. Do it at night, you know, because um, it's going to be hard to get, you know, soundproof room to collect evidence in. Uh, but if it's really to try to just help the clients and help the environment, you got to be able to, to work in, in areas during times that are a are little bit more messy in nature. I know it's not a laboratory controlled environment, but paranormal activity tends not to happen in that type of environment necessarily, anyways. It's part of the range, but it's not, it's happening all over the place all the time. You know? yeah. So let's just deal with it where it's happening at the time that it's happening. I 100% uh, agree with
0: you guys on that. That's that's good. Yeah. I was just
1: curious. Are you three ladies bombarded by ghosts? Because, or, or, I mean, if you have this gift during the day and you have it at night, surely if these spirits or ghosts notice that you have this gift, are you are you bombarded by spirits that want to communicate? Because I know, GD, you said something. I think that uh, you're trying to set appointments with some of them. If you're being bombarded, <laughs> how do you deal with that? I mean, how do you shut that off in, in a in a normal situation? I'll just ask all three of you who wants to answer it.
4: Intention, in like intention, and protection.
3: Life, I, I, I just do like, like in walking life, ask politely, please go away. I'm trying to sleep.
1: <laughs> so you are you are bombarded, though. I guess is what I'm asking, it's just not you know you just don't you walk to- in the house and then concentrate on somebody. You you three ladies can actually have spirits just appear, ghosts just appear, and say, hey, I want to say something, and you could be eating dinner and they sh- and they show up. Is that right? Yes.
4: Yeah. Not in my house, because my house is like on lockdown. Nothing is allowed to come in um, unless it's unless it's invited and of no harm to me. But I mean, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a very expensive restaurant with my workmates, and um, I was being harassed all night, and I was like, man, this whole neighborhood is just lit up." And there was this guy that kept kind of floating by the window and he'd been uh, either did it himself or had been shot in the head. And he was like, look, look what happened to me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm eating right now, so not a good time. And what exactly do you want from me? Do you want me to see, to see this, or are you looking for help? Or you? And he just, I don't know what he wanted, because I didn't want to connect with him at that moment. But he was just like, look, look what happened. And I'm like, okay, you got shot. That means you're, you know, you're dead. Go, Go to the other <laughs> side. Go on there.
1: So you actually see these, and that's something else that's new. Because some of the mediums they feel them, or I guess that's not a medium; that's actually a uh, uh, empath. Okay. But you, you ladies, actually, you actually see the the apparitions just like they were standing in front of me right here.
2: It's varied. Sometimes, Everybody yeah. has them. Um, well, it's it happens where you know people people become mediums. They tend to rely on their strongest senses. So if you're very aesthetic. You're probably going to see stuff before you hear it or feel it. Um, you know, if, if you're very musically inclined or, or you speak a lot of languages, you're probably going to hear a spirit before you see them. So it, it nor- typically defaults to whatever your strongest senses are, and you're just using a higher octave uh, of sensing into reality. Um, that's, that's typically what I find with mediums um, and myself. You can develop out those other weaker senses so that you're more well-rounded and you can pick up um, larger bandwidths of information coming at you from spirits. Um, You know, that's the thing. The other thing, too, is if you're constantly getting approached, how do you not look like a crazy woman, you know, or crazy man out there? Um, I I end up having a lot of mental conversations with (laughs) Um, you know, and saying a lot of the same stuff that GD does. It's like, um, seriously, WTF, why are you bothering me right now? I am eating my dinner, please. Can you come back in like five minutes? And those are usually for the ones that are like, please help me, please help me, please help me. Um, you know, they just don't have any, um, they, they're the ones that just do not respect boundaries. So the, for the ghosts that don't respect boundaries, I push back a lot more harder. If they're ones that are, are a little bit more timid. They're looking for guidance or help I'll just say okay give me a few minutes and then I'll, I'll come back around to you let me just finish this and of course I'm saying all of this silently um, so you you get to you get the ability to develop your multitasking skills really quickly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Girls, we're running out of time, but I'm going, to let, I'm going to ask you one more question. I want each of you to answer it real quick if you can. Actually, we went over, but being that I own the show, I can do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, the question I wanted to ask you is um, advice you would give to somebody that is just now uh, realizing they have the ability that you have or is experimenting with it. Because a lot of times, and I think you'll agree with this, that when mediums discover they have this ability – or this gift, they are looked at sometimes, they don't talk about it because, hey, people are going to think I'm crazy or whatever. So just quickly, I wanted to start with Amy, then Aaron, and GD. What would you advise somebody that's just now uh, coming into the gift and knowing what's going on or, or, or trying to realize what's going on with them?
2: Well, it, this is probably universal, and a lot of um, investigative teams are going to start to run into this because there's, some methodologies that are that are coming to the fore with um, I forget the name of the one that's really hot right now and it's trending, um, where you cover your eyes and um, you know you're you're listening for um, voices to come through with some of the equipment. Now, uh, the investigators who use equipment to try to have a conversation with a deceased spirit or an entity, that is the first step towards mediumship whether they want to admit it or not, that literally is the first step towards opening up and developing your intuitive skill set so that you can communicate with the deceased. I'm a big advocate. I believe everybody has the potential to develop their mediumship skills. It's not a gift that's exclusive, um, that some people are born and others aren't. Um, So the one piece of advice i would have is for a lot of a lot of these investigators who are starting to take that first step without realizing it you really need to have a strong spiritual core of some some kind whatever your religious um, faith-based system is um or even if you're you're atheist and you're just fully scientific um you're saying you know what i i don't believe that i need protection okay You don't believe that you need protection until you run into a situation where you do. Okay. So once you run into that situation, (laughs) um, figure out who you might be most aligned with. Um, Is it a Christian God? Is it, um, are you Buddhist? Uh, Whatever that that spiritual faith-based system is going to be, that's going to give you your protection. That's going to give you your strength. You need to have something to anchor to that's a higher vibration than fear. And, um, disbelief because just because you don't believe doesn't mean that it won't happen to you. And that's a very, very important distinction to make. So I would recommend learning, um, both get a, get a faith-based system that you can buy into, um, that you really believe in, uh, and learn about protection. Prayer work is a real strong one. Working with the angels, like Judy said, it's really strong, um, you know, making friends with other people that are working in the field that have to deal with ghosts every day, getting bombarded with them, other mediums. Ask, you know, ask them for words of wisdom, too. You know, they're all going to say pretty much the same thing. You need to learn how to protect yourself when you're walking into an environment like that.
3: Dang it, Amy. You took both of my pieces of advice. (laughs) (laughs) No, can you
2: elaborate, though, Erin?
3: Can you elaborate? Yeah. Sorry. Um, That's okay. (laughs) I, I just wrote down safe space or a safe spot and a mentor so for me it is critically important to always feel grounded in my authority to um banish if need be and to protect myself with the uh arms of the creator and the godhead um and then the other piece is and this one i i Give with caution, uh, but it's to find a mentor or someone that you can go to to have discussions about this. This is really hard thing to develop, in my opinion. Uh, for me, it's a hard thing to develop on your own and like feel confident um, in in what you're doing and that you're not like just going crazy. Um, I, I say find a mentor, but please, please make sure it's someone that that you can trust and that has. Um, the, the light as their primary goal. They're um, not going to take are, advantage of you. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. But that's my two <laughs> pieces of advice. Dee,
4: This is hard now because I don't want to be a derivative copycat. Um, you know, <laughs> protection's my my big thing that you guys have already spoken on that and finding an ethical mentor ethical, knowledgeable mentor, that's also, you know, I was going to say that too. But I think that it would be um, to have confidence in yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of people are like, oh, I I thought I saw something. No, if you saw something, write it down. You know, if you experienced something, write it down, you know. Um, I think that a lot of people, they move forward and then they self-doubt and then they move back and then they move forward. You can go, you can get much further faster if you just, Don't doubt yourself. And I'm not saying, you know, everything that happens to you is going to be exactly what you think is happening to you, but have that confidence. Like, no, I experienced that. Um, That doesn't mean the experience is the end of the world and that's all there is to say about it. But, you know, I I see a lot of people and all of us have done it is um, just, we cripple ourselves with lack of self-confidence. But if you, you know, we've all been given this gift. And if you have been activated in your gift, that in itself is another gift and you've been mm-hmm. activated in order to help yourself and to help others and to communicate with your guides and guardians and gatekeepers and also with ghosts and, you know, move forward as, as fast and as far as you feel comfortable in doing so. But don't let people make fun of you. Don't let people roll their eyes at you. Don't let people go, oh, really? Uncle Billy was telling you something. Tell us more about that. You know, if they don't want to hear the message, say, hey, I've written down the message and it's here for you whenever you're ready to receive it and walk on and keep moving forward because something out there is trying to communicate with you and something else out there allowed that communication to happen. And that's really powerful. And I think people need to step into that and own it and say, yes, this is happening and I'm down for it.
1: Okay, Amy, tell everybody how to get a hold of your group if they want to get a hold of you.
2: Uh, Best uh, way to get a hold of us right now is through our Facebook page. Uh, it's Pandora's Jar Paranormal. We're in a process of rebranding right now uh, for our team, so um, that's kind of like our hub right now to interface right. with everybody.
1: Sounds good, Amy, Aaron, Gd. Thank you so much for being on tonight. We really appreciate it.
3: Thank you. So much.
4: Thank you. We look forward to uh, working with y'all when you come out to California.
1: Well, we've been yeah. invited out there. It's just that, you know, being from Kentucky and going to California, I'd have to pack the dog up in a four by four and head down, and it's got a bad transmission. <laughs> <I love
4: that. laughs> it's a bit of a
3: drive.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll get there, though. We'll get there. But anyway, folks, thanks for listening tonight. If you want to check out the Kentucky Ghost Hunter, go to kentuckyghosthunter.com. We're on Facebook also at the Kentucky Ghost Hunter. We've uh, on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter. It's at underscore KY underscore. Ghost hunter, and until next week at nine PM, this is a Kentucky ghost hunter with Kevin Quatman. We've ran over. I apologize to our affiliates, but hey, we pay your bills, so everything's good. We'll see you next week at nine PM. Thank you, guys.